Coming up on this episode of the Romney LaVie podcast, we recap everything that happened in the final day of the Major League Baseball season going into the All-Star break. Aaron Judge is riding high, as are the Yankees. The Mets and the Braves are battling it out for first place in the National League East. Juan Soto might wall out of the National League East, or specifically the Nationals. And a lot more going on in baseball and everything else. All that and more coming up next. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Episode 78. If you're back for more, I guess you're enjoying so far. And if you're new, welcome in. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for sticking around. This is a podcast. I like to call it the Rami Lovey podcast. My name is Rami Lovey. I guess it's for the new people, but if you're old, just a reminder. I record about three times a week. We go Sunday night into Monday morning. We have an episode that drops Wednesday morning or late Tuesday night and then early Friday morning. They're about 45 minutes to an hour per episode, and I like to talk about sports and a bunch of other stuff, so never really did this introduction at the beginning of an episode, but now you know. If you didn't already, now you know. This is the week that people dread in this industry. It's because it's when we get to the All-Star break, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh wait, now there's actually zero sports, and we haven't had a year like this in a long time because of the pandemic, so basically everything shut down during the pandemic. And we didn't have sports for, what was it, three months maybe, four months? And then everything came back all at once. And we had baseball was back and started the 60-game season. We had basketball in the bubble. We had hockey in the bubble. Football started. And everything happened all at once. And then the next year, everything got pushed back because the NBA and NHL bled basically into September almost. So they had to push those seasons back. So last year, we were still in the NBA Finals, NBA playoffs this time of year. So this is the first time we've had a time like this where it's the All-Star break and really nothing is happening. And there's a couple of cool things I love about the All-Star break, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. Um, But right now, it is, if you're listening to this, it's Monday, July 18th, and I'm recording though. Right now, it is early Sunday morning. I'm in the studio. I was in the studio all night last night, starting at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, Um, and now it's about 6 a.m. almost. In the studio, still here for a couple of more hours. Gonna push through, keep going. Uh, board hopping tonight, so that was that's it's been fun <laughs> so far on a Saturday night. Never done that before, and I'm gonna come back because today is the final day of the first half of the Major League Baseball season. So I'm gonna come back a little bit later uh, and tell you everything you needed to know about today's games. There's some big games actually for my Yankees uh, coming up. They have a big game. Garrett Cole's going to be going against Chris Sale in the rubber match of the three-game series against the Boston Red Sox. Yankees stumbling a bit to the deadline, or to the All-Star break, I should say. But if they can win today, if they could find a way to beat the Red Sox, that'll give them a big push going forward for the uh, second half of the season as they come out of the break and have to play a doubleheader in Houston. The first two games coming out of the break 
a lot of fun stuff to talk about in the first half, specifically in the Yankee season, but then all around Major League Baseball as well. Lots of fun stuff to get to. So we'll get to that a little bit later today. Hopefully I'll find time to record after the games are over, if I'm not falling off my face, which I probably will be, but... That's why we have the new home studio, home mic, and so we're going to get to that a little bit later today. Um, A couple other things I want to talk about before we get into that, um, and all of that stuff will be coming up later. I do want to wrap up a couple things from the previous episode. So I talked about the Knicks a lot on last episode and trading for Donovan Mitchell, and there was a trade that came out, um, what the Knicks actually turned down with the trade that they weren't going to take from the Jazz. And the package that the Jazz offered to the Knicks was as follows. It was... Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride, and six first-round picks. So it was all four of those guys and six first-round picks. If the Knicks can somehow turn that into take Randall, take one or two of those four guys, ideally Toppin and McBride, take Fournier's contract, and then we'll give you maybe five or six first-round picks, or maybe it's five picks, two swaps, or four picks, three swaps, something like that, where we're not giving them all of the picks, and we're still giving them maybe to two of those young players, but not all those young players. The Knicks declined that, and I'm so glad they declined that. Again, the package was quickly topping Grimes and McBride. The Knicks need to find a way to to keep Grimes and quickly, in my opinion, and find a way maybe to hold on to a couple of picks. And if you can dump Julius Randle's salary on them and Julius Randle's contract, then maybe that is actually worth giving a couple extra picks for them to take on that contract. But I'm glad the Knicks turned that down. But the one thing I realized, and this is what happens in the Twitter age, especially in the age that we live in when people look at the Knicks the way the Knicks are looked at, they're going to be clowned either way. If they make the trade, everyone's going to be talking about, oh, the Knicks gave up a ton. They gave way too much for that trade. If they don't make the trade, everyone's going to say, how could the Knicks give up this opportunity? They had an opportunity to get one of the best players in the world. They had an opportunity to get Donovan Mitchell. And of course, a different team came swooping in and took the guy out from underneath them. The Knicks can't react to any of that. The Knicks have to just look at this and say, hey, look, If this trade is worth it, if it's a good trade for us, we'll make the trade. And if it's not, it's not. And that's it. Look at it for what it is. And I think giving up all four of those guys and six picks doesn't make sense. So don't do that. That's all. And like I said, I really want Donovan Mitchell. He's a really good player. I I think that came off maybe in the video that I made and also in what I said last episode that maybe I don't want him. I really do want him. I just want him for the right price. And so if they're going to give up too much, then don't do it. If someone else is willing to overpay someone else in the league... I don't care what the reaction is as Knicks fans. It might be a negative reaction, and the reaction on Twitter is going to be, ha-ha, the Knicks couldn't get the trade done. Right now, they're even money on FanDuel and all the other gambling sites. The Knicks are even money to get Mitchell, so it's really expected that they're going to get Donovan Mitchell. But if they don't get him, that's fine also, because that means they didn't give up a ridiculous amount that they shouldn't have given up to get a guy. Either way, you just have to look at it for what it is and make the right decision. Um, I mentioned the on, the Instagram videos. I started posting clips from the podcast, little clips from the podcast. So that was one of the ones I just talked about with Donovan Mitchell was one of them. The other one was about the quarterbacks in the AFC and Zach Wilson, how he stacks up, how he could take the next step. It's just clips that you probably heard most of them on the previous episode. I cut them up a little bit to add a little in- intrigue. But uh, if you want to see visuals right now, I'm actually wearing the same sweatshirt that I was wearing when I made the other video. Should have put a different sweatshirt on because I'm videoing myself. Um, But it's just a visual for the podcast. Just something a little bit more. Throwing some pictures in there. Add a little music. It's kind of just to entice you to listen to the whole thing. So if you want to go check that out on my Instagram, it's at Rami.Lavi on Instagram. You could check those videos out. Uh, I also tweet them out. So or I tweet out the links to them. I'm not sure. So you could go check that out if you 
like seeing stuff like watching it instead of just listening to the podcast so that's fun um one thing i didn't mention last episode because i talked about don lagreca and the rant he had regarding joey gallo who now is officially out of the lineup like we're done with him (laughs) we're done with the joey gallo experiment i think they wanted to raise his stock or something uh i'm not sure but i think we're done with it because matt carpenter what he's been able to do and aaron hicks is healthy again there's no reason to put a guy like joey gallo in the lineup uh not not again and and matt carpenter has been insane specifically against lefties particularly um so it's not like he's just hitting the righties he's hitting everyone and he's been insane so far we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode so i don't want to talk about it too much now but again joey gallo the experiment is over and don lagreca had the whole rant out he hasn't hurt the team necessarily and i disagreed but again a lot of people are saying, you know, they were saying the same thing. A lot, a lot of the things that I didn't mention was the whole point of the argument was stupid. Both the caller and Don were saying the same thing. Don was saying that it hasn't necessarily hurt the team because they were still winning a ton of games. But in the playoffs, he would hurt the team, and that's why he should be off the team. And the caller was saying, yeah, so far it hasn't hurt them because they haven't had any big spots. But come a big spot, he's going to hurt them. So they were saying the same thing. And the only reason Don LaGreca got so mad and they were arguing so much is because the caller started by saying that Don LaGreca wouldn't have a career if it weren't for Michael Kay. And that's not true. Don LaGreca is extremely talented. And Don LaGreca was personally offended. So he went at the guy and decided to get mad and make a moment out of it. And it's going viral. And good for him. Good for Don. But that doesn't change the fact that Don didn't really care. He was just personally offended that the guy said what he said. So he decided to go on a rant. And the two guys were saying the same thing, but neither one was listening to each other. That's why I hate sports arguments like that. That's why I hate shows like that that are built on just arguing back and forth because I always think those arguments are stupid. Anyway, that's just me. Another thing I want to talk about was I saw this. I mentioned this on Friday afternoon because um, right before I turned the game off for Shabbos, it was Sunday afternoon at about probably, I want to say like 730. In the first inning, Rafael Devers hit a two-run shot because he just seems to kill the Yankees no matter what. And then Stan came back and hit a three-run homer because he seems to kill the Red Sox no matter what. And forever in this rivalry, at least in uh, my years, there's always been one guy on either team that just scares the living hell out of the other team. If you're a fan and it's a big spot and that guy comes up, you're just terrified of that guy. For the Yankees right now, it's Rafael Devers. In the past, it's been Ortiz. It's been, you know, Manny Ramirez, whoever it's been for us as Yankee fans. For Red Sox fans, I never thought it was Derek Jeter. It's not necessarily the best player on the team, but it could be Jeter, not necessarily A-Rod, who may have been the power hitter, but it felt like every time Jeter was up in a big spot, if you were a Red Sox fan, you thought he was going to come through. The guy now for the Yankees, who Red Sox fans, every time they see him at the plate, they're terrified, is Giancarlo Stanton. As good as Aaron Judge has been, it's Giancarlo Stanton, and it's so much fun to watch because he pimps the home runs, he carries himself like a superstar, he got out in the outfield after he hit the big home run, in the top of the next inning, he's waving to the crowd. They were chanting his name. I think it's so cool what's happening right now with Giancarlo Stanton and the run he's been on of late against the Red Sox. I hope it continues. He basically almost, he, he tried to win the Yankees that playoff game last year. And he's been so clutch for this team. And I hope he stays healthy so that if this team can go on a deep run, he can do what he's capable of in the playoffs. Because we've seen the last couple of years in the pandemic season in 2020, what he tried to do against Tampa and what he, what he did last year in the wildcard game. If Stanton's that guy in every big moment and he can stay healthy enough to be that guy in big moments, watch out because that'll be fun to watch. And I hope the Yankees can put him in enough positions to be able to do that. A couple other things I want to talk about because we're going to get to the baseball stuff in a minute. So that was just a little sneak peek into the beginning of the baseball stuff. And then I'm going to throw it to the baseball stuff and then we'll come back and wrap it up uh, for the first half of the MLB season. And we'll talk about everything that's going to be coming up in the second half 
Um, but I did say that there's more for me to talk about. And last episode, I said I, I was, you know, talking about how there's not much to talk about. It's kind of like a cop out because I do have other things to say. Uh, last week, I went to a movie and a Broadway musical. And both were tremendous learning experiences. I don't know if they were accurately uh, historically accurate. They probably weren't. But I went to the Elvis Presley movie. If you haven't seen it, it's incredible. It's about three hours long. But it's about his life and kind of just teaches you some stuff about most of them had both of them have the same running theme where the industry is a monster and they both the industry killed both of them and that type of stuff which at the end of the day you could blame other people uh at some point you have to take responsibility for your actions i know that the industry is crazy um anyone who's in the industry can tell you that and obviously back then there wasn't the help and support that you have today there wasn't the public support that people had i think what's changed about celebrities especially in the social media era something that i think is kind of positive is that people feel like they're close to them people feel like they actually know them through social media and stuff like that and sometimes it's a negative also because we don't really know how much they're hurting but the idea that these people are so far gone and so lost and they feel like they have to answer to people and they can't say hey i'm going through it right now you know i need a little bit of a break like we saw guys like john mayer and justin timberlake take breaks like that that's awesome that people feel comfortable to do that now and they're more humanized now than they were then so that's something that's a positive these days but um i saw the elvis movie and the other one was i saw the mj musical on broadway so a little bit about both the elvis movie was basically about his life like i said about his inspirations who he drew from and then it's kind of like i watched it i was like this is insane this he was a kid he died at 42 he was a young man when he died and the influence that he had he didn't even get he didn't even realize how influential he is one of the saddest parts of the movie is where it's towards the end of his life and he thinks he's done nothing because he's always chasing like now there's all these other people are replacing me and because he was so stuck in the rat race he never realized how great he was and how much he had accomplished already because he was so stuck in trying to do more it's just such a tough situation to be in to not be able to look and see the broad picture um, and part of it was because there there wasn't the internet there wasn't he didn't realize how much he connected to the world. He just saw what was in front of him. And it's really sad. And just to see the, the really quick deterioration of his health because of the mental state he was in, uh, it was tough. Um, they had some footage at the end of his, you know, his last performance when he was 42 years old right before he died. Just insane. Um, and the other thing was Michael Jackson. <laughs> the Michael Jackson musical was unreal. And I, it wasn't your typical musical. They weren't really telling the story as much as maybe you would have hoped. But at the same time, it was just telling you how this guy was so different and also just so influential. Um, and the kid who played him was this 23-year-old kid who played Michael Jackson. And certain parts, you felt like you were inside a Michael Jackson music video slash at a Michael Jackson concert. They redid classics like Thriller. They, they redid the music video to make it feel like you were in it. They redid the music video for smooth criminal and so that stuff was awesome uh that was a really fun show and like i said the, the standing ovation the the crowd the way the crowd got into it, it's like no musical i've ever i've ever been to because the entire crowd was immersed in what felt like a music video what felt like a michael jackson music video and the reenactment of it felt real it felt like you were actually there so if you want to go back in time and travel through the 70s 80s and 90s and feel like you were actually there for the ascendance of michael jackson go see mj live on uh, on broadway that was insane so like i said there's other things for me to talk about and the, the common theme in both was you know these were guys who are so gifted uh so talented so creative and just had different minds and 
never had the opportunity to be understood by other people. Um, and people didn't really care to understand them that much because they were producing something that we all enjoyed entertainment. And eventually that's what killed them. And, it, and it's kind of sad. Um, still both really great. The music and both the job <laughs> that those two actors did unreal. All right, I'm going to talk some baseball because that's what we're here to do. We'll wrap up the first half of the season. All that's going to be coming up. I'm going to do that a little bit later tonight, and then we'll come back and wrap up the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help h-e-l-p dot com slash rami for 10 percent off your first month do it today all right it is sunday night the first half of the baseball season is officially over we can put that to bed now um it ended on a high note for the yankees i talked about that how what would happen with the yankees would they finish on a high note would they close out the season the first half of the season the way we wanted them to i said it was a big game garrett cole against the red sox kind of had to face his demons a little bit. And then, of course, for the Yankees, they were facing Chris Sale, who is historically a great pitcher. Now, Chris Sale gets hurt really early on. Um, just an awful injury. You see it right away. He knows his pinky is fractured. The line drive hits right off his hand. You never root for injuries, but this has been a guy who his entire Red Sox tenure, it feels like when he's been healthy, he's been really good. The problem is he's never been healthy. And this continues. It's his second start since rehabbing and coming all the way back from an injury and who knows how long he's going to be out again now that he fractured his pinky so there's that just just tough luck another tough break for the Boston Red Sox and for Chris Sale in particular Aaron Judge hits 33 home runs over the weekend um, his 33rd his 32nd and 33rd home runs he hit in the win on Saturday they win what 14 to 1 on Saturday before winning 13 to 2 on Sunday so a combined total of 27 to 3 in the final two games before the all-star game against the Boston Red Sox yeah I'd say that's a pretty good way to go into the break but Aaron Judge ties Roger Maris as the only Yankee to hit 33 home runs before the all-star break his pace currently is 59 so if he does want to catch Maris and Maris is 61 he's gonna have to pick up the pace a little bit as insane as that may sound uh, but 33 home runs before the break. The only Yankee to previously do that was Roger Maris, and Aaron Judge now ties him. The Yankees, after limping a little bit prior to uh, the last couple of games, definitely picked it up, and it's good to see. If you're a Yankee fan, like I said, no one was concerned really about the team. I said this on last episode where it's kind of a good thing. You you knew that the team wasn't perfect, and there needed to be some improvements made, and now this kind of reiterated that. Now it's like, okay, we can go make those improvements now because we saw what they did and they went out and they still took care of business. They still have the best record in the league by far going into the all-star break. They're still comfortably ahead of the Astros. And if they could come out of the break 
and play really well in those two games in Houston and that doubleheader, then all of a sudden you're looking at a really good into the break and out of the break for the Yankees, and all of a sudden you're off and running in the second half, and that could be really huge. Another great thing about having a laugher going into the final two games is uh, Judge was able to get off his feet a little bit. Giancarlo was able to get the day off today. So two guys who are going to be in the All-Star game not necessarily get a great break had some time off, so that's good for the Yankees also. In other news, Matt Carpenter is insane. The numbers that Matt Carpenter has put up, and the story goes like this if you're not familiar, uh, and and people should start familiarizing themselves. Obviously, Matt Carpenter, former St. Louis Cardinal, he was a champion with them. He obviously was a big part of those teams uh, on the Cardinals in the early 2010s, and he's an older guy now, maybe in his, I think he's like 37 or something like that, and he was in the minor leagues. He was playing for the Texas Rangers in their minor league system, and he has to be released because he said, this is ridiculous. I am better than this. I don't need to be on a minor league team right now. I don't need to prove myself. I can actually play at the major league level and I shouldn't be, I could have an opportunity somewhere else. So please release me. So he went home and he was sitting on his couch when he got a call in May from Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager. And he's played 31 games at the beginning. He came in, he was spot starting for them here and there. He first of all came straight to the majors with this team. He went to Tampa. The Yankees needed him in a pinch. I think they had a couple of guys injured, maybe some guys on the, on the uh, COVID list. And since he started in 31 games, and he hasn't started all these games, some of these games he came in as a pinch hitter, he's batting 351 with 13 home runs, 34 RBIs, and an insane 1.371 OPS, which is on base plus slugging. The guy has been a magician. He got a curtain call in the Bronx after hitting two home runs on Saturday. Sunday, again, he had another few more RBIs. I think he had, what, 10 RBIs between the two games. Unbelievable what he's been able to do. And I guarantee he's one of those guys that I guarantee he's going to hit a huge home run if the Yankees have him up in a spot in the playoffs and they need him. He's going to hit a huge home run at some point in the playoffs for the Yankees. He's just one of those guys. So I'm calling it now. Uh, A little bit of a history lesson here, just to contrast to last year and just how good, because I think the Yankees, because they scuffled a little bit over the last couple of weeks, really, um, the last, really just the last week when you consider that they could have easily won those two games in Boston after winning the first two games, and then they lose those two games, but could have won either one of them. They lose two or three to the lowly Reds. Obviously, they could have won all three against the Reds. They also could have gotten swept against the Reds, so that series really could have gone either way. So they needed a big series. They lose on Friday night, and then they come out the way they did on Saturday and Sunday. But just to put things in perspective, last year, heading into the All-Star break, the Yankees were 46-43, and 43, only three games over five hundred. And they were in fourth place in the AL East and eight games back of first place. This year, the Yankees are 64 and 28. They have a 13 game lead in the division and have a plus 199, 199 run differential, which means they've scored 199 more runs than they've allowed. So just to put things in perspective and how good this Yankee season has been. Yes, we keep talking about how good they've been and how much of a difference in the contracts between this season and last season. But just to put it in perspective, it's been such an incredible season for the Yankees this year. And the first half, it's just getting started. And last year, where at this point in the season, they were like scrambling to get Rizzo, to get Gallo, and to get those guys just to make a playoff push. Now it's going to be okay. Now we need to get those pieces to push us over the top. And I don't think Brian Cashman is going to hold back. That's the other thing you think about. You look at their prospects and you look at the people coming down the pipeline, but it's like, wait, this team can be historically good if they don't win in the World Series this year then is it all a failure so I think they're going to do whatever it takes to push this team over the top and try and win this season Cole by the way I I love this and the the interesting part for Garrett Cole I've talked about it all years in some games he comes up big and then other games he just struggles tremendously 
And one of the things that happened last time he faced the Red Sox was the team actually won. It was last week, Thursday, and he pitched well enough for the Yankees to win. But the problem was that he got tattooed for two home runs off of Rafael Devers, the big three-run homer and the two-run shot. And after the game, Cole was basically like, I can't get this guy out. I don't know how I can get this guy out. I don't know what to do. And I love what he did in the first pitch, the very first at-bat against Devers. He backs him off the plate. He brushes him off with the fastball. Devers kind of stares down at him. He gets knocked down. You have Alex Cora screaming from the dugout. Cole's not phased. He's like, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to bust him inside with a fastball. Then he dots a fastball down away on the outer half of the zone for a called strike one. And then he throws the cutter right in underneath his hands. Devers gets him to swing and miss. And it's one and two. And then puts him away with a fastball up and away. When Devers probably was thinking change up, probably thinking breaking ball down away. Cole threw him another fastball. He then got him to lie down in a second at bat and struck him out a third time on another fastball up in the zone. He got him to chase fastballs, got him behind on the fastball. And basically Garrett Cole said, look, I have had a hard time getting this guy out. I can't tell you what I'm doing wrong. I threw an incredible changeup that was always in the dirt. And he hit it 450 feet to dead center at Fenway Park last week. I'm going to give him my best stuff. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to throw fastballs as hard as I can. I'm going to bust him inside. I'm going to try and back him off the plate and then go with fastballs out over the plate. And hopefully he won't be able to catch up. And that's exactly what Cole was able to do. And it worked out. And that's what I got to say. Kudos to Cole, because sometimes I look at Garrett Cole and I'm like, this isn't the competitive guy. This isn't the guy that we saw for Houston. This isn't the guy that was just so angry on the mound and looked like no one wanted to face him. Just a fierce competitor. This guy seems like a different to have a different demeanor. And today I finally saw it on like one of the first times on the Yankees, one of the few times on the Yankees, definitely for the first time this season where he had that fierce competitor in him, where he was staring down against Raphael Devers, a guy who has dominated him of late and definitely throughout his tenure with the Yankees and Devers tenure with the Red Sox. He has dominated Cole and we got to see Cole stare him down, face his demons and basically said, I am beating you because I am better than you. That's a guy that you want. That's the Garrett Cole that you want. And just for him, that's a great sign to see if you're a Yankee fan. That is an incredible sign to see going in to the All-Star break. Another thing I want to talk about, because I mentioned this on last episode, <laughs> I said DJ LeMahieu, um was not performing up to par. And I said the contract really wasn't good because last year we know he struggled tremendously. He started off the year hot this year. DJ has been the hottest hitter since I said that. He's been the hottest hitter in baseball. He's got the average backup over 280. Yes, I know you you expect him to be over 300, but for where he was hitting, up over 280 is exactly what you want. And he's lining line driving balls all over the place, exactly how he hits to right field, to center field, to left field, in the gaps, everywhere. And that's the DJ LeMahieu that you expect as a Yankee fan. And I'm just good. I'm, I'm glad to see him back. So I didn't want to call him out. I didn't want to say, hey, that was a bad contract. But he was playing poorly. He had that weird defensive inning, like I said, in Fenway. But over the last week, he's been back and he's been incredible. The Red Sox couldn't get him out in this series. That's another good sign for the Yankees going into the All-Star break. Another thing that stood out to me um, in the Yankee game today was they were manufacturing runs. They weren't hitting a million home runs to score their runs today, at least early on. Whereas the first game, they, they had the eight run. I think the Yankees had eight runs maybe in the fourth inning. And it was all manufactured runs. That was today. But in the first game, it was all the long ball, the home runs, right? They had the home runs, the two from Judge and the two from Carpenter, all home runs to get their runs. And then today, it was the exact opposite where all of a sudden, the Yankees are finding different ways. They're poking hits there. They're getting this done there. 
and they're finding different ways to get hits and to score runs. That's really important when you're a team that wants to go far, that wants to make a playoff run. You have to be able to score in different ways. I talk about it all the time. You don't want to become one-dimensional. You have to be able to move runners over, get stolen bases. Tim LaCastro was insane today, and that's just another layer to this. Tim LaCastro comes up. Two for two is first two times up, steals two bases in each of the first time, two times he gets on base, and then he hits a two-run homer, and everyone's like, oh my god. We were playing Gallo and running Gallo out there every day just for this guy to be sitting back there and available for us, and of course, Gallo comes out uh, and does hit a home run later in the game, which I kind of felt bad for Gallo at the same time. I was like, Gallo's just going to be going to leave his resignation in his locker room at the end of this game because that was ridiculous, the way LaCastro just comes up out of nowhere, gets the two hits gets the two stolen bases, is manufacturing runs, making things happen for the Yankees, running home on a ground ball and beating it out. The Yankees were scoring in a bunch of different ways and weren't one-dimensional because they had a guy like LaCastro. Now, I'm not saying LaCastro is the answer. Most of the time, he won't be. But my point is that they just can't be one-dimensional, and a lot of what they were last year was one-dimensional, and it seems like they're not that this year. So just another good sign for the Yankees. Going into the break, it's looking all good for the Yankees. A cool moment that happens in the Yankee game, though, that has nothing to do with the Yankees, really. But there's a kid named Jeter Downs. I mentioned him a couple weeks ago on the podcast when I was talking about Derek Jeter said uh, that he came up, he was brought up, and I mentioned that Derek Jeter said, hey, good luck to everyone but the Yankees. Jeter Downs, who got his first hit of his career against the Yankees, now hit his first home run of his career in Yankee Stadium. The kid named for Derek Jeter. Kind of cool, even though he plays for the Red Sox. It's definitely a cool moment. Elsewhere in baseball, the Mets and the Braves, the Mets swept the doubleheader against the Cubs, which was really impressive. Two really good games. If you watch those games, two extra inning games. Max Scherzer is all the way back. The Mets lose today, but what they have 58 or 59 wins going into the break, something like that. The Mets have been as good of a team. And the only shame is that the Yankees have been so out of this world that people aren't realizing how amazing the, the Mets have been because the Yankees are overshadowing them a little bit. So Mets fans are not even enjoying it as much as they should because they're still busy crying that the Yankees are overshadowing them. But the the Mets have been incredible in the first half of the season. The the additions that they made, Starling Marte has been awesome. Pete Alonso has been great. Um, Francisco Lindor is back after a little bit of an offseason last year. And what I mentioned before, Max Scherzer is all the way back after being hurt. And DeGrom is on his way back. So the Mets are only going to get better. And that's the team you definitely don't want to face, especially in a short playoff series. When you know you have DeGrom and Scherzer 1-2, you could fall down in that series really quickly, down to on a series if you end up facing them. What's amazing with how good the Mets have been, and another reason why Mets fans maybe haven't been able to enjoy it as much, is because the Braves are right behind them, only two and a half games back of the Mets for first place in the NL East. So that's a storyline to look for going forward into the second half of the season. The NL East is going to be awesome to watch the Mets and the Braves battling it out, those two teams. And those two teams, or one of those two teams, and maybe even the Yankees, is going to get a boost, potentially, from another player in the National League East. And that's Juan Soto. The story came out that Juan Soto turned down a 15-year, $440 million contract from the Washington Nationals. Now, I saw someone mention, he was like, Juan Soto hasn't won an MVP. Juan Soto is an average defender at best. How's he turning down $440 million? Now, I think we need to look at this a little bit different. I don't think he's turning down $440 million. He's turning down $440 million from the Nationals. He's telling them, I don't want to be here. He's not a free agent until after 2024, but he's forcing them to make a move. They're offering him all this. He says, no, I want to test free agency. I want to go elsewhere. I want to win. Now, he's won a World Series already. He does have World Series experience. He had a huge home run off Justin Verlander in Houston in the World Series. So even though he's young, 
he has that ability. We know that he's been on that stage. He's only 23 years old and he still already has that ability. If you're the Yankees, you give away everything for him. If you're the Mets, you do the same. You don't even ask questions. You run and try and give away whatever you can to get a guy like Juan Soto. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a player of his caliber in a trade. The Nationals, after he turned down the contract, are reportedly listening to trades. And it's said that the Yankees and Mets are both interested. And that could be a crazy turn of events, especially if a team that's been as good as the Yankees have been so far can add a guy like Juan Soto to their lineup, a left-handed bat who's good on base, He gets on base, he hits for contact, he hits for power. One of the best left-handed hitters in Major League Baseball. Oh, and is under control for another two seasons. Oh, and he already has experience winning a World Series against specifically who? The Yankees' biggest rival and the team that's going to be the biggest test for the Yankees going into the second half of the season and making their way to the World Series, the Houston Astros. Yeah, I take it if you're the Yankees. If you're the Mets, like I said, the same thing. The Mets need another bat in the lineup, specifically a left-handed bat, a power bat. He's perfect for anyone. There's no team that's going to be like, yeah, we can't use Juan Soto. But I think we're going to see a major push from teams. And I do think Juan Soto might actually end up getting traded this trade deadline to one of those New York teams. And that could be something incredible to watch. Elsewhere around baseball, the Dodgers and the Astros continue to just be monsters. It's incredible. It doesn't matter who is on those teams. Those teams seem to be coming through no matter what. So whether you're the Dodgers, whether you're the Astros, it doesn't matter who they put on that team. And the Astros went over, overwent a, a, an incredible overhaul, if you think about it, over the last couple of seasons since they were last in the World Series. It's not necessarily the same team that we saw in the World Series. Obviously, Garrett Cole is not there anymore. Obviously, if you look out in center field, they don't have George Springer anymore. They've lost some pieces along the way, but this team remains mostly the same. They lost Carlos Correa even, but still, it's a new guy, Jordan Alvarez. And Jose Altuve is still there, and that team has been incredible. And they're the best team outside of the Yankees in the American League. And the best team in the National League, the second-to-best team in baseball so far, has been the L.A. Dodgers. And the funny part about the L.A. Dodgers is you look at that team also, and you think, okay, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, those are the guys who are carrying them as far as the pitching standpoint. But no, it's been other guys who have been stepping up for the Dodgers who have been the best pitchers in baseball. And like I said, it doesn't matter who's on those rosters, whether it's Houston, whether it's L.A., those two teams have been insane the last few years, and they continue to be insane. Some surging teams, some up-and-coming teams. Obviously, the Orioles had that winning streak. They had it broken. But they still they win one of the three games in Tampa, so a little bit of a low going into the All-Star break as Tampa is surging a little bit after sweeping Boston. They take two or three from the Orioles so watch out if you're the Yankees as you're 13 games up but they're in the rearview mirror they're still there Tampa's not going to go down quietly and also the Seattle Mariners one of the best stories in baseball they have won 14 games in a row also an insane number 14 consecutive games the Mariners still trail what's amazing is even after the 14 game winning streak they still trail by a lot in the AL West because of how good Houston has been. But it's another storyline for the second half. We'll see how Houston, what, how they can do uh, in the second half if the Mariners can continue to be this hot. They're a really fun, really good young team, a fun team to watch. Uh, so check out them in the second half of the season. Lastly, speaking of the AL West, the Angels record is horrendous in the American League West. So if you're the Angels, I mentioned another big-time player who's going to be traded. You have Mike Trout sitting there. You have Shohei Otani sitting there. When do you say, okay, enough is enough? Shohei Otani, who knows how long he's going to be able to pitch and hit on both sides of the ball this effectively and stay healthy. This is only the second full season that he's attempting to do it. He only has one full season that he's done it successfully. 
Mike Trout, the same thing. He's not always healthy, and he's finally in his prime. But who knows how much longer you're going to have these two guys. Maybe it's time to trade them. Maybe it's time to look around and say, you know what, we could get a boatload of assets for these guys and just start over. Our payroll is tremendous. We are paying so many guys so much money. We have the payroll caught up in guys like Anthony Rendon, which is a terrible contract. Guys like Mike Trout, which hasn't been a great contract to this point. A guy like Shohei Otani. So if we look around and say, okay, maybe this is just this is not happening. Clearly, it's not happening right now for us. Maybe they look to trade one of the guy, those guys, and that would be an incredible story at the deadline as well. With that, I'm going to wrap it up because that is what's happening at the All-Star break. All the games are done today. Tomorrow is the Home Run Derby. Tuesday night, tune in for the All-Star game. Should be really fun. And I'll see you guys in the second half. Should be fun as well. All right, coming up over the next week, we're still going to have episodes. Definitely one on Wednesday morning, Tuesday night after the All-Star game. Um, We might have some more stuff, hopefully, on Friday morning, but we'll see about that just because there's really going to be nothing. The Yankees, I guess, will have the doubleheader that day. Uh, so we'll see if I do record. So if I don't record, then there's a possibility that I won't record then. So we'll have to see about that. But coming up this week, Monday night is the Home Run Derby. And as a kid, this was one of my favorite things the Home Run Derby, the celebrity softball game, the All Star game, everything, the pop and circumstance, all the uh, everything going on around it. And it's going to be in LA. There should be stars out there. There should be a lot going on. So it should be fun, honestly. The Home Run Derby, um, the bracket, Stanton, it was rumored that Giancarlo Stanton would be in it. In the end, he's not. So the bracket looks like this. The number one seed is Kyle Schwarber. He'll be going up against Albert Pujols, who may not hit five total home runs. He has six on the season so far. I don't think he'll hit more than five in the first round of the Home Run Derby, honestly. But they want to put him out there. They're putting him and Miggy in the All-Star game. Cute. I guess it's a cute idea. But it's kind of going to be weird when he doesn't do anything in the home run derby. Unless they give him the juice balls. Who knows? Baseball's weird like that. Uh, Juan Soto, who's been in the news, uh, like I mentioned earlier, or I'm going to mention later, actually, when I do the baseball part. So this is still, I'm still early Sunday morning when I'm wrapping this up. But Juan Soto is going to be in the home run derby. Uh, He's going to face Jose Ramirez in the first round. Corey Seager and Julio Rodriguez, who is uh, J-Rod. He is the rookie, outstanding rookie for... The Seattle Mariners, who have been surging, and Corey Seager, the new shortstop for the Texas Rangers, are going to be the three and four seed. Pete Alonso, the defending two-time champion, who just seems like he he lives for this. He gets locked in. He's in a different zone. He loves it. Uh, so it'd be hard to bet against him. You'd expect him to win again. Um, so Pete Alonso is the two seed. He'll be going up against Ronald Acuna Jr. in the first round. His division rival, division rivalry matchup. In the first round, I got my money. I think Schwarber and Alonzo will meet in the finale. And Schwarber, I think, will win. But that's just me. That's who I have my money on. And, of course, if Schwarber and Soto win in the first round, that's, I guess, two also National League East technically rivals uh, who are going to be facing off in the second round. So there's four guys from the National League East in the Home Run Derby. It's a nice field. It's not like a stacked field like you'd expect. Um, I would love to see the stars. That's what makes the All-Star game fun in every other league is when the stars are actually out and playing. So hopefully they get that. Uh, I think the Home Run Derby field is nice. And for the game itself, should be a fun game. Should be good. Uh, like I said, you got all the stars should be out there for the Yankees. Aaron Judge will be there. Stanton will be there. It was nice to see Jose Trevino is going to get a shot out there also. Another thing that I love about the All-Star week 
is on Wednesday night. It's going to be the ESPYs. It's the only day that everyone is off. There's zero sporting events. It's one of the few days of the year. And they have the ESPYs, the ESPN Awards. They've started this way back when with uh, Jim Valvano and the speech he gave and raising money for his cancer foundation. And if you haven't seen the Jimmy V 30 for 30, just go watch it. Uh, Especially if you're someone who watches sports every night like me and you're going to have some nights this week that there's going to be no sports on. Uh, If you have the means to support the Jimmy V Foundation and you're looking for something positive to support, go support it because it's an incredible foundation. And some of the most meaningful, amazing moments in sports, some of the reasons we love sports and all that stuff, we get to see it come to life, come to action at the ESPYs. One of my favorites is the Eric Berry speech. You can find that on YouTube also. Um, The Eric Berry speech when he won Comeback Player of the Year after returning from uh, being out for a season with cancer. What he did, his story is amazing. Um, And the speech he gave was unbelievable. Uh, Just about you know, life and perspective was, was awesome. That's an awesome, really cool video. Uh, the Jim Valvano speech, obviously he was talking about, uh, the ticker. I see the ticker going back and forth. It's flashing red. He's like, I have tumors all over my body. I don't care, um, about your stupid ticker that you need to go to break. And, uh, the speech he gave when he could barely walk onto the stage. He was so sick at that point. Um, that was the first ever ESPYs. And just every year, it seems like there's something incredible that comes out of this. Um, and like I said, these are just childhood memories that I've had, um, growing up, watching the Home Run Derby, watching the All-Star Game, watching the Celebrity Softball Game even, and then watching the ESPYs, um, kind of like during my summer vacation. So to me, this week is special. Um, and so there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So there's definitely stuff even in the week where there's kind of no sports. So I'm going to talk about all that stuff after it happens uh, on Tuesday night. Maybe I'll record Wednesday night uh, because... It'll be after the SBs, so after I watch the SBs, uh, I'm thinking out loud here, and maybe I will do that. Also, coming up, so I'm going to have an interesting game that we're going to be doing. Everyone loves lists, everyone loves games. And so I have a quarterback bracket that I'm going to introduce where I'm going to go through 32 quarterbacks who are projected to be the week one starting quarterbacks in the NFL as we get ready for football season. August 4th is the Hall of Fame game, it's in a week and a half. Or two and a half weeks, I should say, is the Hall of Fame game in the NFL. So we're that close to actual live football games happening. Yeah, it's preseason. Yeah, it's a week before the entire league plays preseason games. But it's two and a half weeks away. There are teams, I think there are a couple of teams that report this week to training camp already. So the NFL is right around the corner. And so I'm excited for that. Everyone loves lists. That's the thing. Everyone loves uh, breaking down lists. So that's why I'm doing it. It's funny. Uh, one of the great sports podcast that i listen to it's the number one sports podcast i think in the world right now it's it fluctuates between them bill simmons and ryan rosillo uh is part of my take obviously everyone listens to that uh the barstool sports podcast it's not even thought of as a barstool sports podcast anymore just thought of as a great sports podcast with big cat and uh pft so those guys as a joke a couple of years ago started doing mount rushmore's the top four things and now it's like a, a thing they do in every episode because people just love lists and people love debating it and talking back and forth so for me i didn't want to just come up with a generic top 32 quarterbacks in the nfl what i'm going to do is i'm going to go through a bracket to bracket style who i would want for this upcoming season i listed the nfl quarterbacks one through 32 which i'm sure no one's going to overreact to my list so over the next couple of weeks heading into the nfl season i'll unveil my list and i will eliminate we'll do first the round of 32 then the round of 16 round of eight four two and then finally crown the king quarterback of the nfl so we'll do that in the coming weeks uh, as we get ready for the football season so that should be fun so it's a little game i'm going to play like i said august 4th is the hall of fame game that is in two and a half weeks so 
going to be fun. Finally, to have football back is going to be a lot of fun. Next episode, I'm also got something cool going on. I wrote down a list of predictions before the MLB season for standings for what's going on in baseball, the MVP, the uh, who's going to win the World Series, the Cy Young Award, all that stuff. I wrote down before the season started, and so we're going to check up on that, see where I'm holding, see if what I said so far at the halfway point of the season makes sense as we get to the All-Star game, uh, and a whole lot more. So a whole lot coming up on the next episodes, the next few episodes. Can't wait for football. I can't reiterate that enough, uh, but until then, there's still a lot to talk about. So like you heard on this episode with all the baseball stuff, there's going to be a lot more where that came from. As we hit finally like the dog days of summer where it's going to get interesting down the stretch. There's still a lot to play for. Even for the Yankees, like I said, they're running away with it. But not really if you look at the Dodgers and the the Astros. They're right behind them after this little skid by the Yankees. So a lot coming up. A lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks and months as we head to baseball playoffs. The start of the football season and everything else coming up. So if you like what you heard here like it subscribe it share it with a friend uh rate review all that good stuff and come back next time until then see ya you were the best nights of my life you got the light that always shines i miss the way that you move and the way i get high when you take me to your eyes like i'm standing in the sky your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, why you say is it Flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I won the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know
Oh, I'm still here. 